0: All right. Welcome in Cube Show, a college football show that comes to you on Sundays. We do it right here on YouTube, also on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get yours. I appreciate all you guys tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following. Always appreciate that. Liking the videos and whatnot. Uh, We got a lot to get to today. I'm excited about this show. Uh, Bulk of the show going to be since it's a Father's Day edition and what's better than being a dad. Best player at every position in the SEC. But we have some other things that we have to talk about. The big news in the Southeastern Conference this past weekend was the 2024 schedule release, or at least opponent release. We don't have the exact schedules and how it's going to be laid out just yet, but uh, we'll hit that. And then also, I want to ask this question to you guys, and I pose this on. On my Twitter, uh, at Cole Kubelik, you can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at Cube Show, uh, at The Cube Show on TikTok, and at Cube Show 61 on YouTube. Always appreciate all the follows and interaction. What's your favorite college football memory with your dad? Since we're doing a Father's Day edition show, I had a chance to uh go on a little trip with a buddy of mine, uh, Dustin and Casey, and they're two kids. They have two little girls. I have one little girl, not much better than being a girl dad, by the way, um, but... You know, I also have two boys and my oldest boys just about getting to where we can start, like really throwing the football a little bit. And I can tell you, like, not the best college football memory, but the best football memory with my dad, probably baseball as well, was the amount of times we used to just go down to the park and literally throw baseball or throw football for hours. I mean, hours, just that's all we would do is just throw. I think that's still to this day why I just love throwing football or love throwing baseball. Um, You know, it's, it's, one of my favorite things. And so I can't wait for my two boys to get there. Like they love hitting the ball off the tee and letting me pitch to them and, you know, try to field ground balls, but pretty soon we'll be able to actually throw. And that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So college football memories though, with your dad, I've got some good ones and there are a lot of different things that come up. And I can imagine I've got some on my Twitter feed that I'm going to read to you guys, just share a couple, kind of give you an idea of what they're like. Uh, We got some cool ones though. Like Jenny Smith responded, my dad and I flew to Gainesville and back from Atlanta on game day for auburn florida 1994 special treat never done anything like that turned out to be a special game Nicks to sanders dad is the reason that i love au so much bunch of guys sitting in pictures uh ben whitehead tweets i was going to post this about him anyway but this is a good spot My love for sports was completely fostered by at J whitehead 59, who took me to as many events as we could go to. My best memory with him was experiencing 2022 Sunbelt championship game. I'll never remember it. That was a big Troy win over coastal Carolina, which, and he has a photograph of that game. Like how cool would that have been? Uh, I know there's games you went to, whether it's tailgating first game you went to most important game you went to, um, Chris Marler at Vern funquist. A lot of you guys love him. A lot of you guys hate him on Twitter. Actually. Uh, he said, well, well, I don't know about the best Cole, but I tell you my worst was definitely your favorite Iron Bowl ever back in two thousand. Ha ha. Yes, I've stated many times. Um my favorite Iron Bowl, uh one of my favorite college football games I ever participated in, two thousand Iron Bowl. Um Freezing temperatures, sleet the whole game, nine to nothing. It was beautiful. First time in Tuscaloosa in 100 years. Uh, it was an amazing game. Uh, so we just got a lot of cool responses with folks coming in about either the first game that they went to, their first memory, different things like that. I was trying to find a couple others that I saw earlier. Uh, Powell skates tweeted, went to the 2013 egg Bowl, the Bull Wallace fumble year with my dad and uncle sat right behind the old Miss band, a core bulldog memory for both of us. Happy father's day. Like that's what I'm talking about, man. Like it's just, it's some of this stuff will it's, it'll stick with you forever. Uh, Trey Wallace tweeted in um, covers the sec. I was covering Tennessee, Alabama game, trying to get through the on-field chaos. Somehow my father found me in the middle of that madness and tackled me. Safe to assume he was happy to see his team win. How badass is that? Like, you're covering the game. Your dad's a diehard Tennessee fan. They break the streak against Alabama at home at Neyland, and you're covering the game out there, probably trying to get a quote or something. And here comes your dad out of the stands, like, you know, wearing his orange, and he tackles you, like, just. Yeah, that one that would be really cool. Uh, Big Game Boomer responded. Uh, driving down to Tallahassee in 2000, watching Florida State beat Clemson by 47. Absolute beatdown. Uh, and some of it is just like an era of football, like 90s Alabama football. Uh, Papa Croppa tweets in, early 90s Tide football. Palmer, Teague, Langham, Curry, Copeland, Lassick, Stallings, beating up on Geno, the Heisman winner, and the Rock acting like a pebble. Couldn't hold the edge. Good times, RIP Dad. Like, that's... I imagine, especially on this day, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Steve Robertson does an amazing job covering Mississippi state and recruiting. He tweeted, responded, attended my first ever college game on November 1st, 1980. We got to see John Bond and the Bulldogs upset number one and defending champion Alabama and Bear Bryant. Like that's special, man. Like that's that's it's just it's crazy what college football does for us, you know, uh, and and that's why I get so passionate about some of the things that I do. And I know some of the other guys that cover this sport get as passionate that they do, whether it's, you know, McElroy, Josh Pate, David Pollock, Herbstreet, like we all are passionate about it because we just love it and we care about it and we want it to be great. So. I know a big part of why it's great for a lot of us is what it meant to our families. And, and that's where it started. Um, I'm going to share just a couple quick ones. Like my dad, I grew up, both of my parents went to South Carolina. My aunt, my dad's sister went to Clemson on a basketball scholarship. She's in the Clemson Hall of Fame um she went in with the fridge by the way they were both nominated the same night or inducted the same night i remember going to carolina clemson games with my dad falling asleep in the stands many a times watching the clemson tiger and cocky fight that was like my best entertainment at that time because i was just a little boy uh but i remember one year specifically and my my dad's brother and him were pretty obnoxious carolina fans back in the day and my aunt obviously had just finished up at clemson and they I don't know if you guys remember the, like the, the full size posters of athletes where it had like the measuring stick behind them. I think you could get like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and like they had minute balls like seven seven. Well, Clemson had a William Refrigerator Perry poster of this. Had like the tape measure behind him, whatever, and they had it on this RV that they were tailgating in. It was it was my sister's poster, my aunt's poster, my dad's sister's poster, and she comes around from the back or whatever, and there's this giant round Gamecock sticker on william perry's mouth the fridge's mouth, and so I covered it up and i mean I just I vividly remember her losing it at both of them. My uncle John and my dad, just going ballistic couldn't handle it like so pissed off, ruined the poster, ruined the game, ruined the tailgate, but that was what that that was college football man like that's what was great about it a rivalry, hatred, and that was a house divided uh so it was just it was so cool to see and Just to kind of be a part of that one. But, you know, I remember senior day. My dad being out there on the field, you know, handing him that football—that was that was a pretty special day. But my dad and the company that he worked for had access to Georgia tickets, and so I went to a couple of really good Auburn, Georgia, and Georgia, Alabama games. Like I remember Zyre and Barker in Bryant Denny Stadium going back and forth, like just an incredible football game. He took me to that one. Um, took me to a couple of Georgia games where Eric Zyre was a quarterback, and the thing I remember the most—it's—it's it's, God—it's wild how little details like this stick out to you, and this is why i love this game so much because i know all of you listening have similar things that you saw what a guy was wearing or what he did in warm-ups or what he did in between plays and that will stick with you forever like it's it made such an impression on us right before kickoff so everybody goes through warm-ups coin toss whatever teams run out and then you have that sort of minute and a half two minutes before kick where it's the energy gets going whatever and i think I think this may have been in Jordan here stadium. It may have been over in Athens. I can't remember which one he took me to. We went to see, I saw Zaire a couple of times cause that's the era he had the tickets or had access to some of them. And I remember Eric Zaire would walk out about four yards from the sideline. And he'd have a receiver down in the end zone and he would stand on the 50 and he would get about five or six throws in just like deep phase, like lobs. And it looked like he was just like, whoop, barely flipping his wrist and that ball would go 50, 60 yards and turn over and just like spiral comes straight down, like straight. I mean, like a bomb, literally. And I just remember how blown away I was that somebody could throw such a beautiful ball so high that turned over perfectly every time. Cause you know, when you're like 11 or 12 and you're throwing football, you can never get that thing to turn over. Like it ain't ever, it's just always going to float or whatever. You're lucky to get one spiral in, but that's like, going to that game through the tailgate, seeing people getting in, getting to our seats. That's, that's probably my best college football memory ever with my dad. I remember in ninety-two, my dad took me to Legion Field for La Tech in Alabama, and Chris Donnelly had to intercept a pass and run it back for a touchdown. I think Bama won like 13 to 6. Like Louisiana Tech was gonna had a chance to win that game. And Alabama goes on to wins the national championship. They dropped that game to La Tech, they win in the national championship. So I I'm gonna challenge you guys to this, whether it's go find my Twitter, Cube Show Twitter. Hit us with the responses on that comments on the YouTube right here. Let's get them going because I know a lot of people that listen to this, that enjoy this, that like this. Uh, they like to read these just as much as they like to talk about their own. If you're like me and you're a college football nerd, I love seeing like Tony Duncan tweet in the 1986 sugar bowl Vols beat the Canes, 35, seven, Goval's Happy Father's Day. Like, that's the one that sticks out for him more than anything else. So, and those are just the ones that I had up on the screen. So, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And for you guys like me that have young kids, I hope you have a ton of amazing college football memories with your boys and girls that are coming up here in the near future. So, uh, SEC schedule, the 24 opponents dropped over the weekend. And before we get into the schedule, you guys know it, always brought to you by our friends at Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. They've always got us stocked up and we love snacking on them. Had a couple over the weekend. I told you I was out of town. My buddy Dustin, uh, he had a couple of them fired up and we just love Wickles. We appreciate their support. They're great to us. Please try on Wickles.com. Get them in your grocery store. Ask for them at most of your restaurants. Rodney Scott's barbecue. I was there for lunch last week. Bring me out a big chicken with the white sauce. And what do you know? Big stack of wickles pickles right there with it. Mm. I devoured those things first. All right, so schedule. I understand the eight, nine, people are mad, whatever, but I'm just going to, my immediate, everybody's like, whoa, immediate reaction. What's your first takeaway? What'd you like? What'd you dislike? My immediate reaction was, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. Just seeing those teams playing Oklahoma and Texas, like we get, South Carolina plays Oklahoma for the first time ever. They've never played Florida and Texas will play for the first time since 1940. We get Texas and Texas A&M back. I mean, ugh, I, I don't know how you can't be excited about it. Yeah. There are things to pick apart and complain about. I, listen, I was one of them. I, I tweeted it out. Uh It's weird seeing an Auburn schedule and not having LSU and not having Mississippi state, not having Ole Miss, especially Auburn Ole Miss with the, with Kiffin freezing. I mean, that was a no brainer. I thought we all thought we were going to get that one. And, uh, And you guys heard me previously when we talked about the scheduling here on this show, we, there are certain games that are called rivalries, but there are other games inherently that are rivalries. It's just, we don't call them that Auburn, Mississippi state, Auburn LSU. I think most Ole Miss and LSU fans know that game's a rivalry, but I don't think a lot of people out of those footprints will look at it that way. So, you know, they, I mean, hell, Ole Miss, LSU Florida, look what that thing's become in the last like six or eight years. It's, it's, it's all it's mainly off the field stuff, throwing shoes, whatever, like scheduling games. But it, that has, there's been some real hatred built up with that thing. And to see some of those type games that we were getting every year go away, that stung a little bit. But I think knowing what's coming and I'm still going to stick by this and tell you that I think in 25, we go to nine games and having Texas and Oklahoma in there along with all the other sec games. And then yes, it will be once we get past the weirdness and the oddities of not having those games every year. And if we lose that game, we get to play them again next year. Like, all right, fine. We get to go to Fayetteville. We get them over there or that's cool. We don't, we don't have to go to Tuscaloosa next year. They got to come to Starkville. Like to, to, I know we won't have some of that, but to get those other teams on the schedule, it's going to be incredible. And then when it goes to nine and we have those two teams in Oklahoma and Texas, whoa, buddy, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, there were some other schedules out there that you look at and you kind of said, wow. I mean, everybody's focusing on Florida schedule and listen, I get it. I mean, it's, I, I, that is a murderer's row of what Florida has in 24. I'm I'm, there. Won't try to deny it. Florida fans who are talking about that though, you need to realize and recognize, Hey, this is going to be tough. So maybe dial the expectations just a smidge. Uh, A couple other things stuck out. Some road schedules, Alabama at LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Vandy, and Wisconsin. Mississippi State at Old Miss Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, Arizona State. Old Miss at LSU, Florida, South Carolina, Arkansas, Wake. South Carolina at Clemson, Kentucky, Vandy, Bama, Oklahoma. Like, woo, woo, woo. It's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. I'm excited. Like, I think the, the hair's sticking up on my arms right now, just talking about these games, like where they're going to be, how much they're going to mean. It's going to be really cool to be able to get them. I'm excited about it. I'm excited for it. Uh, so a couple other portions of what we wanted to do today, talk about the schedule. And then since it's Father's Day, like I said, there's nothing better than being a dad. But let's talk about the best in the SEC. And when I was thinking about putting this together, I, I, we see position groups, best offensive player, defensive player. But I, I want to go position by position. And I think some of these, a lot of you will want to hear what somebody else has to say because maybe you're not sure or don't really know um, are going to be mad at what I say because we're going to disagree or are going to maybe look at it and say, Oh, I need to maybe go back and take a look at that. Not have the realization. And there's going to be another part where we don't realize how, how tight it is between multiple players. Cause there were a couple of these, I'm going to be honest with we you, really hard really hard as far as me picking the guy. And here's the way that I'm going to do it. Cause I know we can do this a lot of different ways. If I was start a team tomorrow, who's the first guy I would take at that position. Like just who do I want? I'm some of these guys won't have the best NFL careers, maybe of other people at their position, but I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about college football player right now. So we'll start quarterback. Uh I'd go Jaden Daniels. And this was tough because I love KJ Jefferson. I think he is. I think he's a bruiser. I, I think he's going to be more accurate this year, but the new offense, I'm interested to see how it goes. And I'm interested to see with a little bit of a, like a bigger exchange of weapons, what that's going to be like. Now, as I stated, we're starting our own team. So it doesn't mean that Jaden Daniels would have One of the best receiving quarters in college football, but I know he's going to this year, so I had that extra confidence and that offensive line. But I saw the way that Denbrock and Kelly sort of adjusted that offense for him once they figured some things out. Now, year two, being able to do that with an entire offense. I think you're going to see even even another jump from Jaden Daniels, and I think he's going to have a solid year. Dynamic runner gives you explosive run threat. Jefferson will be more of a power run threat. Um, but this was this was really tight, really close for me. Um, I just think Jaden Daniels has had more production in his past than people want to realize because they didn't watch a lot of that football. KJ's a badass man, but um, I would have to go Jaden Daniels here. A little bit more electric, a little bit more explosive. Uh, arm a little bit more live, a little bit quicker release. I mean, it's the, the tidbits here. We're like, we're nitpicking Daniel's slight edge over KJ Jefferson, but there's some other good ones, man. Like I think Will Rogers, I think is exceptional. I'm so anxious to see what he's going to be like in that offense. though. it will be very difficult for me to put him there knowing they have such a massive change and shift philosophically on offense. We don't really know what it's going to look like, but I love Will. I think he's incredible. Um, I think he's a great college quarterback. So Spencer Rattler, could he jump to the top of that list? Joe Milton, every physical tool capable superhero, basically, in a football uniform. But is he going to become an every-down quarterback that operates the offense consistently? We'll see has the ability. And as we go through this list, we'll talk about some guys that maybe are not here. That could be here. I, I don't think I could say that about Joe Milton. Cause we saw him in the bowl game. We saw him against Vanderbilt. We've seen him actually go into a season being a starter at multiple schools. So I don't, there's, I don't think there's this like hidden gem aspect to Joe Milton. Um, You know, maybe one of the Bama quarterbacks, whoever wins that job, just because the backs, the receivers, the tight ends, of the line that they have could be there. Carson Beck, Very good possibility because there's going to be some of his teammates. We're talking about here in a minute that he could jump up and be there, but I'm going Jaden Daniels for right now running back. I've already said he's the best returning running back in college football. So how could it not be quench Judkins? But I do think he and rocket Sanders very close. I think that's tight. Um, Rocket Sanders has I think a little bit more Le'Veon Bell of the start stop, like gets to full speed from almost a complete stop a little bit better than Judkins does. I think Judkins has better wiggle. I don't think there's any doubt about that in the open field. If you're telling me that my life's on the line, I get to get one of them to the ground. Um, I'm, probably taking rocket sanders over quinch on it. I'm, I'm not tackling either one of them, but it doesn't matter because like I told you guys, the Twitter video that I posted like from the back end zone shot of Judkins one-on-one with a safety and it's, you saw him run him over earlier in the game. And now you got to make that business decision of, do I just get trucked and hopefully hold on to a shoestring or do I try not to get shook? And it's and he's out. So it's quinch on Judkins, man. Like he's the, he would be in the mix for the number one overall pick in my sec draft period. Um, he and one of the other guys on defense we're going to talk about would probably be those two guys that, that I would have to debate. We'd flip a coin because I think they're the two biggest game changers most consistently that we know the most about that are coming back in the sec this year. But it's a, it could be a good year for running backs in the sec. Like I think Woody Marks has a chance to be really good in that Mississippi state offense, that outside zone. If he gets a good feel for it, like Quavis has a chance to have a really solid year. They're going to hand the ball off. If Kendall Milton's healthy at Georgia, you know, can he be the guy uh, Jarquez Hunter if he's available and playing at Auburn uh, has that dynamic ability to be able to be a game breaker? Uh, Ray Davis at Kentucky. Shh, don't sleep on him because he was really good at Vandy last year. And we know they're going to run that outside zone, play a bunch, too, and he's going to get fed the football. So I think there, there are a bunch of capable backs in the league this year, but none of them are like Quinn And I don't think any of the others are like Rocket Sanders. Those two are in a group of their own, and Quinchon has a a slight lead there. Uh, This is probably where we'll start getting sideways with some folks, and that's going to be wide receiver. Um, Speaking of getting sideways, don't ever get sideways with your denim. Uh, Blue Delta Jeans. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. It's Father's Day. You can still go get a gift card online right now. Get a pair of custom fit jeans for the dad in your life. He will You will not regret it. He will not want another pair of jeans. He'll wear them forever. They're comfortable. They're breathable. They're flexible. They are amazing. Dress them up. Dress them down. BlueDeltaJeans.com. Tell them you heard about them right here on Cube Show. Okay. Wide receiver, it's Juice Wells, South Carolina for me. I will admit, partially, there are, and this, this goes for everything we talk about, there are certain things about some guys that I know more of that I don't know about other guys. So when I tell you that I know about Juice Wells' mentality and how he approaches practice, weight room, off-season, film, his teammates, all of it, that that's a big advantage for him. It is. That doesn't mean Malik neighbors doesn't have that or Evan Stewart doesn't have that. It's just, I don't know it to the extent that I do about him, but also from an ability standpoint, I put him up against any of them. And do I think he and Malik neighbors are really close? Yes. Could Evan Stewart be at the front of this pack at the end of the season? Absolutely. I also think there are some guys out there that don't get enough love that need to at least be in the conversation. Lad McConkey, Georgia needs to be in this conversation. Now doesn't have the physical skill set that other guys do. So he's probably not going to be at the front of the pack like a Bru McCoy. He's physically not put together like him, who also has a chance to be at the front of this list by the end of the season. Um, you know, Barry on Brown of Kentucky is a maybe Will shepherd at Vandy's a guy nobody talks about, but I promise you on 50 50 balls. He's probably the, le- the one in the SEC that people least want to deal with. Uh, either him or the alien that LSU has that making one hand catches in the spring game. But nobody's going to talk about Will Shepard, but he deserves some of the love in this conversation. It's just he's not going to be my number one. Luther Burton might be there by the end of the season. I, Dominic Lovick the kid that I love. That's going to Georgia. What he did at, at Missouri, slot motion, whatever. He's a big time move slot receiver that's going to have a big year. So, all that being said, Juice Wells and Malik Neighbors are kind of similar to what we talked about with running back in a little bit of a different category. And Juice Wells is just a little bit over the top. Like I think he has a little bit more mf'er in him and a little bit more dog, and that's why he's my guy. So I go Juice Wells, he's number one wide receiver for me in the southeastern conference heading into 2023 tied in do we even need to have the discussion i mean honestly i feel like this is where i can take like a little bit of a water break because it's brock bowers and nobody's close like no one brock bowers is earth And like with all these alien sightings that we've been seeing and people are talking about like all these other galaxies, certain light years away, like that's where we got to get to the next tight end. Like we need the Hubble telescope to see the next tight end behind Brock Bowers. That's how far ahead of everyone else he is. But because we respect other guys and what they do, Michael Trigg has some elite athletic ability. If his head's on straight. He could have a big year, but I do think preach corn is going to take some of those receptions away. And because of how, because of his makeup is probably going to spend more time on the field. He's not the mismatch, but you know, he gives you a little bit more physically. Um, Obviously Mason Taylor at LSU has a chance to be great. Had a really good year last year. Trey Knox, who going to South Carolina from Arkansas, people still don't want to define him as a tight end, but athletically he does a lot of receiver things, but he is a tight end. And he's going to have a good year there, I think. Uh, I think if there's a sleeper in all of these guys, Amari Black at Alabama. I saw this kid in practice last year and I was like, "Who, who is that dude? Just put together like a linebacker. Uh, or a defensive end and can run. he have got good hands. I think that he's a guy that will get a lot of playing time this year. Uh, I think they moved the ball around a lot this year. So I don't know if he gets like 60 or 70 catches, but I think he's going to be somebody who's really good and really valuable. There's just some others that at least need to be mentioned when we're talking about it. So, but Brock Bowers is that guy, this game set match. All right. This was one of the hardest positions for me. Uh, offensive tackle. Now, part of this is some of these guys that we're really excited about, we're getting excited about them because of what they've done in a short period of time, either limited playing time or they came on late. We just hadn't seen a ton of them. So I, I've, I'm going to have to cut this up in different ways. If I had to have one right now for one game, it would be Javon Foster at Missouri. Um, he is the most battle tested, the most game ready and physically capable of any of these guys we're going to talk about. Is he going to get drafted ahead of where these other three or four are going to get drafted? No, he is not. Uh, but I think he, if he has a good year and improves a little bit this year, he's going to come off the board earlier than people think. Uh, JC Latham at Alabama is super gifted, has all the physical tools and skills. He played good football late, but I don't know how much dominant football he's played. Um, and I would kind of say the same thing for Emory Jones and Will Campbell. Like they wowed us as freshmen and, the ceiling is incredibly high. They will both be high draft picks. Uh, I would probably lean Emory a little bit more before will uh, because and if you guys go back to some of the stuff at the end of the year last year, I know you're not going to do that. It's fucking dumb that I just asked you to do that. However, um, we talked about the recovery ability of Emory Jones. There's a play in the SEC championship game where he gets smoked on an inside move and somehow like, retools his body to be able to get back in front of that defender. And he still gets pushed back. So most people say, going wow, go, boo, boo, rush, got push the quarterback. No, man, he made it. Like, he had a Houdini move to be able to recover and get back in front of that defender and not get his quarterback knocked out. Uh, he has that kind of special ability. And remember, didn't go in as the guy early last year, kind of came on as the season progressed and all of a sudden wowed all of us. So those two are going to be in the mix. 100%. Uh, Dylan Wade, who didn't play in the SEC last year, is going to be at Auburn, played at Tulsa. Like he's got a chance to be one of these guys we're talking about. And I'll just tell you right now, Physically imposing, like Ruben Fatherly at Texas A&M, has all that ability and looks like a like an NBA power forward or center. And then Amarius Mims at Georgia, um, you know, hasn't been like full time starter the guy just yet for the entire year. But I will tell you this: God knew he was creating an offensive tackle when he made Amarius Mims, because the physical makeup is exactly what you want. Like NFL scouts are going to look at him and say, I don't, I, probably, I don't even need to see the tape. And he's on our board just because his ass is so wide. His waist is so small. His arms go down to his kneecaps. He's flexible. He can move. He can change direction. Like it's, yeah, he is a, he is, when you say prototype tackle body frame, however you want to state it, that is him. He is that. So he has a chance to play his way there this year as well. Cause he's got a ton of ability, but Right now, man, it's probably Javon Foster because some of these other sample sizes are very limited. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've seen him play great football for a consistent period of time. I like his nastiness. I like the mean streak. Um, And then some of the other guys have been plug and play or come on late guys that I do think will be ahead of him by the end of the year. But I'm taking Javon Foster right this very second because I know what I'm getting and I know consistently it's been there for a while. Offensive guard, Tyler Booker, Alabama. This was an easy choice. This was very simple. It's not that there are not other good... By the way, the tackle position is kind of back in the SEC uh, because that's a position... Like, I feel like tight end is a little bit down. We've had all these elite tight ends for a while. Uh, running back is like was kind of down. I feel like it's trending up a little bit. Offensive tackle has been down, down. And that doesn't mean that there hasn't been like a top 10 pick or a top 20 pick, but there was a run six, eight years ago where it felt like there were four or five first rounders every year, or at least could be first rounders every year. I feel like offensive tackle is back. Like we got some real dudes and there's a couple others out there like Damian George transferring to Florida. He might turn out to be one like dollar bill at Mississippi state might turn out to be one. So I think there's some other, maybe guys that have a chance to be really good. That we didn't mention on this list today, but the tackle position, man, like let's go offensive tackles. Hell yes. I love it. Uh, offensive guards, Tyler Booker, man, like he has the skill set, the ability. He can move when he turns and pulls, like he gets out of there in a hurry. Um, I, I I think he is going to be an absolute star. I think if this year and then the next year, he's got a good chance to be the best guard in the sec. And then the best offensive lineman in the sec. Like he has that kind of ability and he's a war daddy, man. Like he wants to kick your ass on every play, every play. Like he's a glass eater. I love watching this kid operate. He does it the way it's supposed to be done, which is kind of the story for the guards. Jeremiah, Wright at Auburn one to watch. Is he there right this second? no, Does he have a chance to be there by the end of the year? Yes. Once again, war daddy. Loves it. Layden Robinson. That's where a lot of you guys first heard me say war daddy. He's got that tape out there. It wasn't there last year, but it's there. If we can get that South Carolina game back from a couple of years ago, let's get cooking. Okay. Layden Robinson might be in this deal. He's going to be one that we're talking about. And you guys know, I love Javante Spragans at Tennessee now does not have the athletic ability. Um, does not have the physical power. Doesn't have the strength. Doesn't have the, the the quickness, the lateral movement, the change of direction that these other guys have have but just loves football and you can tell he's got to cut down on the penalties. The first round stuff is not real. Just stop. It's it's not. I'm sorry. And it's not a knock but it's not real. It's not happening. So get away from that and just enjoy a good college football player who loves to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. He won't be the number 1 guard by the end of the year but he's always going to be one that I talk about just like Jeremiah Wright and Layden Robinson. Cause they play the game the way it's supposed to be played uh, center. Another easy one for me, Cedric Van Pran at Georgia. Uh, and this is another one too, where I have a little bit of an advantage having Georgia last year, talking to Stacy Searles a bunch, what you hear other guys on that team say about what he is, what he means, what he does. He would be there probably without me seeing any film. I've seen the film though, and the kid's a really good football player. Um, maybe the best center returning in college football, one of the best. However you look at it, these top 10 lists that don't have in there are asinine. Uh, and sometimes you got to read the fine print because some of these lists are top 10 grades. Keep in mind grades, not players. And none of us have any idea what the grading scale even is. So who cares? Like 97.2 out of what? I don't know. Where do you get deductions? Can you get double pluses? Like none of us know. So who gives a shit what it is? Like just throw it to the side and don't just don't worry about it because I'm with you on some of it, but just don't, don't even just don't give it the attention that it so desires, but he's number one. I think Seth McLaughlin is going to have a good year at Alabama. Now you talk about a guy kind of like a Bradley Bozeman at Bama a couple of years ago where physically he'll be outmatched people will be quicker people will be stronger he's not he's not going to do things ryan kelly could do in a bama uniform however he gets the job done man like one of my favorite things at lance zerling my favorite nfl draft analyst with nfl network uh he's on the joe moore war committee with us and one thing that he talks about with certain guys the first time i ever heard it we were talking about jonah williams and everybody was pissing their pants about jonah williams arm length and all this and that and he goes you know what guys you know what jonah williams does he gets guys blocked that's kind of how I feel about Seth McLaughlin. Like he gets guys blocked and to be thrown in the situation. He was thrown in against George a couple of years ago in the SEC championship game and play really good football. He won me over on that one. Bryce Foster at AM and m has a chance. Uh, Jagger Burton's going back to center there. Kentucky, maybe Bo Limmer's moving from guard to center at Arkansas. He had a really good year guard last year. We'll see how center goes. He played it in the bowl game and Cole Smith really does have a chance to be here. I mean, he's, he plays the way that some of those guards play that we talked about, like Booker and Wright and Spragans, like Cole Smith's a nasty dude, man. And he gets to anchor that O line and he's going to be running outside zone a bunch. So I promise you go ahead and get ready for it. Cole Smith's going to cut somebody on outside zone play. And they're going to say, you are trying to hurt a guy. <laughs> yeah, This is illegal. It's not. It's the way they coach it. So get ready for it. But they also know how he plays because he's going to be trying to bend face masks and he's going to be driving guys into the turf, you know, a counter to after the whistle and people aren't going to like him, but that's what the way it's going to go. So he deserves to be in that conversation as well. Let's go to defense. All right. Uh Best players in the sec. So Cedric Van Prawn was, my center guard, Tyler Booker, tackle Javon Foster, Missouri, tight end Brock Bowers, easy running back, Quinn, Sean Jenkins. quarterback, Jalen Daniels, Jaden Daniels, and wide receiver Juice Wells, South Carolina. That's what I got for you defensively as we run through this here on Father's Day. Dallas Turner is my edge. Um, we talk about some positions going up, going down. Edge, I think, is down. Like we, we lived through the golden era of the edge defender in the sec a couple of years ago. And I think it's, I think it's, it's just down. Um, you know, I think Michael Williams at Georgia has a chance to be here by the end of the year. Uh, J.J. Weaver at Kentucky is not going to get the run, but he deserves a lot of the conversation, but none of them, none of them have juice like like Dallas Turner does off the edge. None of them. Like he, the only player in the sec who has similar juice To Dallas Turner off the edge is our off-the-ball linebacker, number one selection, Harold Perkins out of LSU. And he's not even going to live there. Like, that's not what he's going to be. So edge is Dallas Turner. Inside, I'm going to go to Alabama. This was tough. Mason Smith is knocking on that door. Actually, I I don't think he knocks on anything. He probably pounds on it, kicks on it, like goes full Hulk, double fist, knocks it down. If he doesn't get injured in the first game of the year last year, I think it's him. I think he's there. Uh, Coach O told us when he first got to LSU, he could play defensive end. Like he could live at defensive end. He can rush the outside off the outside. Like he's that athletic physically. He is, I call him a, he's like a Vince McMahon first round draft pick. Like you see him and you're like, God almighty, that guy should be in professional wrestling. Like they just don't make people like that. They just don't. Um, He's a freak show, man. And like, he will probably be the number one guy at the end of the year. But because I've seen a little bit more Jaheem Otis, who, by the way, is like 320 right now. Shh. Got to campus over 400, like well above 400, 320. You're going to see Jaheem Otis this year, and there's no way in hell you're going to believe he's 320 pounds. I promise. He's going to have a big year. So, um, Makai Wingo at LSU. Great year last year. I'm ready. I wonder if JJ Pagese can, cause JJ Pagese has more athletic ability than any of these guys. Hell, he might have more athletic ability than a lot of these guys on defense. We're going to talk about period. Can he start putting it together as an actual defensive lineman? I want to see that. Can that happen? You know, Deion Walker at Kentucky with those little bitty ankles. I want to see if he can keep getting better and, and turn into a, a big time defensive lineman. Did some really good things as a freshman last year. Uh, off the ball linebacker, I mentioned it, Harold Perkins. And I think it's a busy group this year. I think there's a lot of guys like Boogie Watson and Jet Johnson in Mississippi State. Uh, but the two who stick out to me more than anybody else, it's obviously Harold Perkins. And then uh, Jamin Dumas Johnson at Georgia. Um, I think he's the best blitzer in the Southeastern Conference returning. Now, Harold Perkins sometimes blitzes, but sometimes just lines up and rushes. Those, uh, I view those as kind of different things but dooms Johnson should have a big year. Like he can cover it sideline to sideline physicality, not a problem. I think he sees and diagnoses uh more regularly than he gets credit for. And a lot of times he's on a one way go. Like it's, you know, he's certain pressure packages or different run stunts, things like that. I think he might be able to freelance a little bit more this year and maybe even make more plays. We'll see. Cause I don't think they're going to have to rely on him sort of attacking one place on the field. Now that he has the experience that he does Uh, safety. And you see now why don't bet against LSU, Bama and Georgia. How many guys are throwing out Malachi Starks is that dude. Uh, but I tell you, man, you watch them, you watch Javon Bullard too. Like both of these guys love to come downhill, not afraid to hit, especially Bullard. I have so much respect for him. He looks like he weighs one seventy, and he will put his body on the line. Like does not care. Played mostly nickel. will be back at safety more this year. Fun to watch ton of respect for him. But Starks is the guy who I think is more versatile, more adept to being able to do everything at a high level. Uh, you know, Greg Brooks at LSU, Damani Richardson at A&M, both great players, Brooks, more downhill, Richardson's made some massive plays in his A&M career, but I'm just telling you Malachi Starks is that guy. If we're talking about safeties and then finally cornerback, it's Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, Dwight McLaughlin is going to be in that mix. There's others that we could talk about, but I think Kool-Aid physically his makeup, the way that he's put together, I don't know if there's another corner like him in the SEC. And even though his specialty won't really be man to man, I I think he's very capable of doing it. And when I talked to T Rob and I talked to coach Saban and last year, talked to Pete Golding about him. Like he's a guy that they often reference often referenced as we don't want to go into a game without him. Like he means that much to us. He allows us to do all these other things. And he's a guy that we have to have to be able to be successful defensively. He's made some big plays. So those are our best players in the Southeastern Conference. My opinion, I know you guys will comment on some of those because I know some of you aren't going to like them and are going to be mad. How many are going to be different? There are some guys that we didn't get to, didn't talk about because I'm trying to keep this thing a little bit compressed that we need to talk about. And we have plenty of time to do that before the season begins. Again, happy Father's Day. Share those memories with us, tweet them, comment, whatever it is. Please subscribe to the YouTube. Not many people like us or enjoy us, and I know not a lot of you listen, but at least act like you're a fan uh, to make some people happy. And subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever that is. We're back next week with another edition of Cube Show.